Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. message. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He said, oh, what needless sorrow. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't take everything to God in prayer. Well, we're going to be back in John chapter 11 today, and I think we're actually going to finish today. I know we've been here for a little while, but let's get to John chapter 6, I mean 11, excuse me. Verse uh, 45, I want to kind of start right there. Remember, we've been talking about the fact that uh, Jesus had healed Lazarus and healed him from total death. He was in the grave four days, and so he definitely healed him, right? Lazarus has been dead four days, but Jesus is never late. He said in verse 4, he said that uh, if they would believe, that they would see the Son of God glorified and God glorified. And so Jesus comes through on His promise. He, he uh, heals Lazarus even though the sisters are upset. They don't know what to think because Jesus never shows up. Jesus never makes it in time. But Jesus knows that Lazarus is dead. And Jesus loves them just like He loves us. And He wants them to see who He really is. And what's going to happen here in this section of Scripture is as He heals, as He brings Lazarus up out of the grave, He brings him out. And what He's going to do is this is going to be the final separation between those who are going to believe on Jesus and those who are not. Because at this point... Jesus really, you know, it's kind of like this. Have you ever met anybody that, that you could argue with them all day long? They're just convinced of their position. And no matter what you tell them, no matter what you say, no matter what you show them, they just won't believe you. You know what I mean? They're like, don't confuse me with the facts. Guess what? That's kind of what happens here. These Jewish religious leaders know that Jesus is a problem to their power, their prestige, authority, and this is going to drive the final wedge between them and a lot of other people. Some people believe on Jesus and some people never do. A lot of times people ask this question, that question, the other question, and you can get down to the bottom line and say, well, if I answered all your questions about Jesus, would you believe? And a lot of people just say, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of what it comes down to, is they've got more questions than what the truth is, is they really aren't honestly seeking to find out who Jesus is. And so this is the last time Jesus says He is the resurrection and the life. He brings Lazarus up out of the grave. And remember, Jesus shows that He is the resurrection and the life by bringing Lazarus back. 
and they come out he comes out on the power of Jesus Christ and then they he says loose him and let him go and that's really this whole thing is a picture of the fact that all of us are dead in our trespasses and sins all of us need a spiritual birth that comes from God and when Jesus spoke Lazarus came forth that we're saved by the word of God and then when God gives life he gives eternal life when God gives us eternal life he also gives us freedom the Bible talks about a new life joy, peace in this picture we see that God is wanting to train these people he's wanting to show them something who he really is he wants to strengthen their faith because the Bible says we've been studying in the book of James in another place that I'm teaching and you know when you go to Hebrews chapter 11 it says by faith they did this by faith they did that and if you really truly have salvation faith it leads to action it leads to you trusting God believing in God doing something for God because he shows you what he wants you to do and so it says in that book of Hebrews by faith Abraham went out not knowing where he was going by faith Rahab hid the spies by faith by faith by faith just they did this they did that that's what God is trying to do is strengthen these people's faith and so let's read these verses here 45 to uh, 57 he says then many of the Jews who had come to Mary had seen the things Jesus did believed in him But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Now are you to consider that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish? Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not only for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on they plotted to put him to death. Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many many went up from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. So what we see here is in verse 45, it says, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. They saw Lazarus raised from the grave. They see Lazarus come back to life, and they believe in Jesus. And many other places it says they just believed. And in one place, Jesus told them after they believed, he knew that they didn't really truly believe in him and what he stood for and who he was. So he just believing 
in Jesus, believing that Jesus existed doesn't get you to heaven. But you got to believe that He died on that cross. He died for your sins. He died in your place. And there's nothing you or I can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But Jesus paid it all as we sing in the song, right? He did it all. And if the Bible says, whoever believes in Him shall be saved. And so the Bible says, if you trust in Him and Him alone, ask Him to forgive you, ask Him to save you, ask Him to take you to heaven one day because of what He did and nothing we can do, then one day we'll be in heaven with Him. That's what the Bible says. That's what belief is. That's what faith is. One man put faith this way. He took each letter and he said, Forsaking all, I trust Him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust Him. In other words, I don't trust in anything to get me to heaven but Jesus Christ and Him alone. I believe this is real, true salvation. It says many who come to Mary, those were the ones that came to Mary because she was so upset, she was crying. And remember, Mary was always going and doing, and she went to meet Jesus. But many were with Mary, and they came to the tomb. They saw Lazarus brought back to life, and it says they had seen the things that Jesus did. They believed in Him. So they believed. I mean, you know, back in verse 4, it says that if, that if uh, the reason this miracle was being done was because of the fact that that God might be glorified and Jesus might be glorified. When you look at verse 48, it says, if we let Him alone like this, everyone will believe in Him. In other words, there must have been something different about these people. But when Jesus told them in a previous chapter, He says, you know, if you truly believed and you're really my disciples, then you will continue to do what I told you to do. But here, these Pharisees, they believe that something different has happened to these people because people are going after Jesus. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. Guess what? There are always people on both sides of Jesus. Some, you either hate Jesus or you love Jesus. Some people love Jesus until they find out who the real Jesus is. And then they say, well, I don't like that Jesus. But the Jesus of the Bible is the one we need to believe in. And when these people saw the miracle, they didn't care what Jesus had done. They didn't care that it proved He was God. All they cared about was they didn't like it. They didn't care. And they went and told the Pharisees so that the Pharisees would know that this man's causing more problems again. Verse 47, it says, Then the chiefs priests and the Pharisees gathered a council together. This is called the Sanhedrin. It was made up of about 70 people from the uh, Pharisees, the scribes, and the group of people that were the rulers. The, the, I guess they were basically the lawyers and the judges is kind of what they were. And so they were a political group. They were a lawyer group and they were all gathered together they couldn't agree on anything but guess what they agreed on killing Jesus that was the only thing they could agree on they said what shall we do for this man works many signs they don't deny the fact that Jesus has done a lot of miracles earlier in chapter 9 they said are you sure you were healed (laughs) and many times they questioned these people that's another reason why I believe this is 
these people didn't come. These people came for the wrong reason to tell the Pharisees. Some people believe they came just to let the Pharisees know so they could believe too. But guess what? The Pharisees didn't question them. The Pharisees didn't ask, you know, well, what happened or anything else. All we know is these people came, told them, and they pass off the scene. They say this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away our place in our nation. Now we get to the crux of the matter. Notice what they say. Everybody will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. The, the Pharisees and the other folks, they're upset because guess what? They're going to take away their place and their nation. They're going to take away their power, their prestige, and their popularity. Guess what? They won't be anybody anymore. And that's what they're really worried about. A lot of times... Have you ever realized when we make decisions, a lot of times we make decisions based on how it affects us? That kind of really is the bottom line, isn't it? When we make decisions, well, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect my life? We don't a lot of times think about anybody else. They don't think about what's going to happen to the rest of the people in the in the country, they don't really care about that. All they care about is our place. Our nation will be taken away. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. In other words, he kind of says to them, look, y'all don't know anything. That's kind of what he says. Y'all don't know a thing. Y'all lost y'all's mind. He says, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. So this man Caiaphas, he's kind of like a puppet of sorts. The Romans would put people in place to be the high priest. He was kind of the puppet for this guy Annas. Now, these people, unfortunately, they were religious leaders. But guess what? They were very corrupt. Remember, Jesus kept talking about them. And all the way through the Gospels, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he talked about them stealing from widows and taking this and doing this and doing that and how they were just totally opposite of what they were supposed to be. They started out as a good group, but they turned into a, a selfish group that liked power, popularity, and prestige. That's all they cared about. This man Caiaphas says, look, y'all guys don't know nothing. That's bad English, but he says, you don't know anything. And he says, don't you, do you not consider that it's expedient? That, it should, that the best thing to do is that one man, one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. So in other words, this man Jesus should die in place of everybody so that the whole nation doesn't perish. But this, look what, what happens in verse 51. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. You remember the Bible says that Jesus was crucified by wicked men. 
But you know what the Bible also says? It was done by the foreknowledge and the counsel of God. God used wicked men to put His Son on the cross that He might die, that we might have eternal life. Don't ask me how it all works. You know, we, we quote that verse all the time, Romans eight twenty eight, right? We know that all things work together for them that love God, for good to them that love God and are called according to His purposes, right? So in other words, we know that God's working all things together for good. Somehow, some way, everything that happens in life, God uses it to His advantage. And one day when we get to the end of time in the book of Revelation, it's all going to turn out just like God said it was going to turn out. Because God is ultimately in control of everything. He doesn't make these people do this. But what this man is doing is he's intending evil and he's speaking, well, we're going to kill this man so that the nation will survive and that one man should die for the people and that uh, all should be gathered into one. Guess, that's, guess what? That's why Jesus died, right? To make us all one. There is no more Jew. There is no more Greek. There is no more male. There is no more female. But we are all one in Christ. The Bible says that Jesus died to bring us back together. Remember what happened in the Old Testament? Uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he when they built that tower, the Tower of Babel, and what happened? They were all scattered because God divided them up because they were going against God, right? But in Jesus Christ, what happens? Through the death of Jesus Christ... God makes us all one in Him to do His purposes, to do His will. And so this man, even though he's ultimately speaking evil because he wants to kill Jesus, you know what he's really doing? He's speaking a truth because this is what God wants to happen. He wants Jesus to die on the cross. Because unless Jesus dies on the cross, guess what? We all go to hell. And so Jesus has to die in our place. He has to die for our sins. And that He was going to bring us all together in one. What did He do on that day? He scattered them all. But it says here that that He would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. He's going to bring us all back together. And then it says, from that day on they plotted to put Him to death. They decided that day they were going to kill Him. That's why I don't think John records the other trial that happens later on. But you know what? It's not really a trial because what do they do? They meet in the middle of the night and one man went through all this whole thing and he said they broke so many of their own laws just to crucify Jesus that it was ridiculous. They met in the middle of the night. They weren't supposed to meet at night. They weren't supposed to take one witness and all kinds of things. But guess what? They don't care. They want this man gone and they're going to do anything they can to get rid of Jesus. And so it says from that day on they plotted to put Him to death. Verse 54, Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but He went from there into the country near the, near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with His disciples. So what does Jesus do? He leaves town, right? He's left again, and this is the last time we'll see Him. Starting in John chapter 12, we're going to start seeing that that Jesus is prepared for the cross. He's preparing to go to the cross. 
He starts preparing His disciples. He begins to tell them those things. Mary anoints Him with His feet with oil and anoints Him for His burial. But here He's left. We're not going to see any more miracles from Jesus. We're not going to see any more you know, people trying to follow Jesus. All we see from this point on is Jesus leading His disciples to know what to do when He's gone and headed for the cross and dying on the cross. And so it says, And the Passover of the Jews was near. Now this is the third Passover at least that Jesus has been there. This means that Jesus has been in ministry for about three years. Have you ever noticed how many times the number three pops up in the Bible? I mean, the Bible says that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That they're the three in one God. That, that, you know, this world is made up of height, width, and depth, time, space, and matter. You know, uh, you got the sun, the moon, the stars. You know, you got all these different things. Gases, solids, and liquids. But here, Jesus is on the earth for three years. Three days, He's in the grave. Many, many times, the Bible uses the word three, and I think it's because it's a, it's a number of completeness that, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What do we say about ourselves? we got a body, soul, and a spirit. And a lot of times we say, me, myself, and I, don't we? It's amazing how we do that. But here, Jesus leaves. And then it says that many from the country went up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were supposed to go up to Jerusalem some about as early as a month early to purify themselves so they would be ready. Remember the Passover was that time that they celebrated when the death angel passed over in Egypt and they had to kill the, the lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost and the lentils. And that's a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. Guess what? I'll just tell you this up beforehand. At the same time they're killing those lambs, at the same time they're doing those things, sacrificing those lambs, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is dying on the cross. But He can't die until then, so He leaves town. But these people come to celebrate the Passover. When they get there... They start speaking among themselves like it's almost nothing. Now, you know, notice how some people just observe everything. They don't really care. They just kind of, hey, you know, you reckon Jesus is going to show up? That's kind of what they say. What do you think? Is He going to come? Because the next thing it says is now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where He was, they should report it that they might seize him. So the Pharisees come out of the closet. What do they do? They say, if this man Jesus shows up anywhere, arrest him. And they finally come out of the closet and say, look, we want to kill this man Jesus. Because all through the first 10, 11 chapters, we've seen the people weren't sure exactly what the Pharisees were doing. You know, here they were trying to stall him, and the next second they weren't. And they were like, who's trying to kill you? And Jesus says, well, you're trying to kill me. And they're like, who's trying to kill you? They don't, they don't know, because the Pharisees have been very secretive about this up to this point. But now, it comes out. They don't care. They want to kill this man, Jesus. And it doesn't matter to them. 
What's the point of all this? The point is that in this last section, as we looked at this section of Scripture, Jesus strengthened the faith of the disciples because, guess what? They saw Lazarus brought back from the dead. One man said it like this, Go ahead and kill me. What's the worst that can happen? I can be glorified. I'll be in heaven. What's the worst that can happen to me? I mean, that, you know, now what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Oh, death, where is there sting? Oh, death, where is our victory? And we talked about it a few weeks ago that, that if we know Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you want to get hit by that truck or you want to get hit by the shadow of the truck? If we know Christ, it's like getting hit by that shadow. Because we just pass out of this life, bam. We close our eyes and we wake up on the other side in the presence of Jesus. And that's the good thing. And then secondly, this miracle brings in the fact that He's going to strengthen someone's faith. But what does it also do? It divides people. It divides people. It strengthens the faith of those who believe in Jesus. It brings many to faith in the Messiah is what it said over here verse 45. They believed in Him. And then it divides. Everything that Jesus does divides. You're either for Him or against Him. Jesus said, if you're not for Me, you're against Me. If you're against Me, you're not for Me. It's not like Switzerland. You can't be neutral. You either have to trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior or else you have to get on the other side and say, I'm not going to do that. That's the choice we have, folks. And that's what Jesus said up here. Do you believe I'm God? That's the reason He did seven miracles. That's the reason He said seven times, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I've always existed. I always have been here. I always will exist because I'm God. God came down in human flesh because He loved us so much. The Bible says, John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him and what He stands for, who He said He was, that He died on the cross, He died for our sins, He died in our place. And if you believe that and want to be forgiven and go to heaven on the basis of that, you can. But if not, you're not going to make it. It's as simple as that. You know, that's not what Marty says. That's what this Bible says. It's been around for 4,000 years, parts of it, some of it, the New Testament, for 2,000 years. But you can go all the way back in the Old Testament and Jesus was promised. I heard a message yesterday from my pastor and he walked all the way through the Old Testament and all the way into the New Testament and says, here's the promise of Jesus. He was promised in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53 said He was crushed for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. By His stripes we are healed. The Bible says it pleased God to bruise Him. Why? Because all we like sheep have gone astray and God has laid our sin on Him that we might go to heaven. That's the reason Jesus came. If what Jesus did on that cross wasn't enough, then there was no reason for Jesus to come to earth. 
There was no reason for Jesus to come and die on the cross if what he did wasn't enough. But what was the last thing Jesus said on that cross right before he died? He said, it is finished. Now if I told y'all I painted this wall over here and I left one little spot about big as the tip of my finger open, is it finished? It's not finished, is it? But Jesus said it is finished. It is complete. It is done. That is an accounting term that means your account has been paid in full. What account? Our sin account. Because the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. Each into his own way. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. It says the wages of sin is death. But the good news is, is the gift of God is eternal life. And so today, if you've never trusted in Christ and Christ alone, just remember, nothing else is going to get you to heaven. Not good works, not communion, not baptism, not church membership, not church attendance. Only thing that's going to get you to heaven is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's it, folks. And that's what Jesus wants these people to know. They don't want to believe it. Some people don't want to believe it. You know why? There's some little old spark inside of us that says there's something I can do to help God out to get to heaven. You know, there's just something in us about our pride, our ego, that says, you know, i got to help God out. But God says it's either my way or the highway. He says you can either come my way or you can't come at all. Today, if you've never believed on Christ, ask Him to forgive you today. Ask Him to save you. Tell Him that you believe He's the only way to get to heaven. He's going to say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. So there's only one way, and that's Jesus. And so trust in Him today. And then believe that when you cry out to Him and ask Him to forgive you and save you, that He did it. That's called faith. And if you trust in Him today, He will forgive you. He will save you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for who You are. We thank You that You so love the world that You sent Your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You said in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, that we're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then you said we are saved to do good works. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved to do good works. So Father, we pray today if there's even one that believes anything different, that they would trust in you and believe in you, be forgiven and be saved, and you would get all the glory as you said you would get in this uh, chapter, that it was a miracle that the God would be glorified and the Son of God would be glorified if we would just believe then we would see your glory. Father, we love you and thank you and praise you for everybody here today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.